the theme, the, the, the series that we're teaching on is in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn to Acts chapter 2 verse uh, 41 to 47. It's going to pop up behind me on the screen. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Some of you might have NIV, New King James, Amplified. But it goes something like this. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Lord Jesus, this is your word. Your word is alive. You are the very image and the very picture of the invisible God who came down and walked the earth and gave us your word and gave us life and freedom. And I pray, God, that as we preach, as we read of this text, that it will come alive, that it will, it will impact our hearts, it will impact our stories today. We pray, Spirit of the Most High God, that you reveal to us that which is being shared this morning, and more than words that are coming out of a preacher or a teacher's mouth, or slides on a screen, that you will deposit um, wisdom in your people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, the context here is that the church, the word church, was birthed around this time. And where we are coming from, where we've, we've just read, we're really coming at the back end of a sermon, a very good sermon, a very hard sermon by Apostle Peter. So if we rewind a little bit, which we will do just now, is the Spirit of, of, of God had fallen on them and there were the those watching at the time said, oh, they might be looking drunk, they might be you know, a bit silly. He stands up with boldness and courage and he preaches this uh, sermon to them. Then where we have read is we're right at the back end of after the sermon. So we need to take into account that at this point, this scene where we have zoomed into, it's in Jerusalem, right? So you've got a couple of Jews that had gotten together for the annual celebration and, 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 and the feast and the festivals that were being celebrated at the time. And after this incident, you know, the church that we read of that met in the temple courts, that fellowship together, we're still looking pretty much at just Jerusalem. But we know that the church would grow from there and it would also, you know, be transposed and translated outside of the, the, the meeting center point of Jerusalem into Berea, Antioch, Thessalonica, and all of that. And we know that that church that met outside of Jerusalem was more of a mixture of ethnicities, you know, diverse people, traditions, and cultures. And their setting would have been more meeting in people's homes because the temples in those cities were to the foreign gods. So I want to just bring that up front because where we find ourselves today as life changers is we are the modern church. You know, we are not the church in Jerusalem. But the opportunities and some of the challenges that face the early church or the church in Jerusalem might be different, but I, I beg to say there are some that are similar. 
for instance, some of the challenges they would have met or faced as Jews that were converting from, you know, the Jewish religion and custom into believing the message of Jesus Christ, there would have been some opposition to, uh, from their friends, families, you know, the state would, did not really like what they were doing because they were causing an uproar. And as a modern church, those are some of the challenges that we might face as well. You know, I, I've said before, I come from a Christian home. I'm a PK or a pastor's kid. So me receiving salvation was something that was celebrated and championed in the house. But I know that's not a reality for some people, um, that there will be some opposition. But in the same breath, the opportunities that faced the early church or that church in Jerusalem are the same that face us today. And that opportunity, those opportunities are, you know, when we look at verses 36 and 39 in the same chapter of Acts, chapter 2, he says, Peter says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced the, their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? That's the same question being asked today. That's the same question that the community is asking today. That's the same question that society is asking today. What should we do? People are desperate for life. People are desperate for wholeness. People are desperate for wellness. And Peter replied, which should be our response as well. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and those who are far off, the Gentiles, that's me and you, and for all whom the Lord will call. So just a, just a very big uh, brief background context to say as the church when we we speak about they devoted themselves when we call us to devoting ourselves to the more it's because we have the same uh, responsibility and response that we should give to the to to the local body of the community which is to say repent and be baptized but now i want to really get stuck into uh, my, my my points this morning and the first point is they devoted themselves or gave themselves or they continued in giving attention to the apostles' teaching. And what I like about this, this, this line or this, this verse is it, 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 there's, a, there's a pretext there. It says, those who believed what Peter said or those who accepted the message. Look at your neighbor and say, have you accepted the message? If you believe the message of Jesus Christ, there's a lot of heads that are nodding. And if, if there isn't a head that's nodding, I'm praying that at the end there will be an opportunity for you to accept the message. But those who accepted the message devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And in that time, it would have been the teaching about the message of Jesus Christ. It would have been teaching about how the scriptures reveal Jesus and how the scriptures, the Old Testament, how it points to the Messiah who, who is Christ. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Life Changers Church, if you have believed the message of Jesus Christ, if you have accepted the message, are you devoting yourself to the word? 
Are you continuing diligently in reading the scriptures, in understanding? I like Acts chapter 17, verse 11. There's a nice little shade there. It says, uh, so the writer of Luke, of, of Acts, who is Luke, says, Now those, the Jews in Berea, were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. For they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many of the Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. Can you imagine, just a side note here, when we get to heaven, I want to sit at that table where the Jews from Thessalonica and Luke are sitting. You know, I'm just going to say, did you read that where he said, you know, the Bereans were much more open-minded. Like, what do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> he says, you know, the, the Bereans were more open-minded than the Jews in Thessalonica. In what way? Because they examined the scriptures. They received the message with great anticipation and eagerness, but they went to check for themselves. You know, that point that Michael brought, that point that Pele said, where, how does it tie in? It's not a great crime. It's not a great uh, uh, sin to examine and check the scriptures. Because we, I am called, if I have received and believed, accepted the message, I am called to devote myself to the apostles' teaching. The second point is that they devoted themselves, gave themselves, continued in attention, those who accepted the message. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Why do we have things like men's camp? Coming up, is it the 15th, 17th September? Here we go, got the dates, I'm there. Oh, please come, I know, okay. I know that's, uh, it's like, I'm there, it's like, oh. <laughs> Why do we have those moments? Arise, ladies' moments. Men's event, uh, men's night, is it the 15th? The 24th, 25th, 25th, August, thank you. Well done, Smither. Paying attention as always. Why do you have those moments? Arise moments. It's we're trying to create a moment of fellowship, which it, it really should not be about those small, those, those uh, one moment touch points. But uh, Proverbs 27 verse, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Another version says, So does one friend sharpen another. Who's walking alongside of you? when it comes to major decisions. Am I going to take this job? Am I going to relocate? Am I going to go for that contract? Who's walking alongside of you? Who's, who are you fellowshipping with? Because remember the context here is that they were a bit of an anomaly. Is that how you say it? Anomaly. It was Jews that are now saying these Something else, like this, the scriptures that we've, we've read and, and, and come to understand and believe that they're pointing to this, you guys are saying it's pointing to that? So they would have needed to fellowship with each other. And we'll see when we get uh, later to, towards the end that it's not an exclusive, let's bunker down, let's shut everybody out. But it is a, who am I allowing to sharpen me? Who am I sharpening? Who am I fellowshipping with? Who is in the same corner as me? Who am I processing major life decisions with? 
as an elder, I get the privilege of, you know, being called in sometimes to say, hey, there's a situation, let's pray, let's process, and let's, let's examine the words and let, uh, the scriptures and see what, what God is saying there. And I'm, 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 I'm saddened by about 50% of those situations is because there was a major decision that was taken without processing, without fellowshipping with anyone. Says, ah, oh, but you know, you know that we have someone in the church, spirit-filled, walking with God, who could have spoken words of wisdom in there. It's like, ah. Now we have to reactivate, we have to activate faith. And who are you fellowshipping with? They devoted themselves, gave themselves over, and continued in attention detail. Those who accepted the message. Thank you, Sam. This one person is listening. They devoted themselves to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Again, remember, as Jews, they, it would have been, yeah, we know the celebration of the Passover yep, happens every year. That's when God miraculously took us out of Egypt and brought us into the promised land. But they had to devote themselves to the Lord's Supper because they knew that the Passover was a picture pointed to something greater to something that Jesus himself commissioned them to do in Luke 22, verse 19 to 20, where he says, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. There to be a, a, a shift there. Not the Passover, which is still celebrated and which still has significance, but that was a picture of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement which is confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, as often as you can, eat this bread and drink of this cup, or as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We have to devote ourselves to the proclamation of the Lord's death until he comes. Those who believed and accepted Peter's message devoted themselves to prayer. <laughs> to prayer. How often do I pray? How often do, do you pray? Is my prayer a emergency button in the cockpit of a is it airplane? Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Something's happening. Let's pray. We need to let's pray. That's not what we're seeing here. Paul in Colossians 4 uh, verse 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it in, with thanksgiving. We need to devote ourselves to prayer, church. As a church, as, a, as those that have accepted the message, we need to devote ourselves to prayer. And it's, it's, we can spend hours and hours talking about the impact and importance of prayer. It's, a, it's our communion with God the Father, our Father who is unseen, who we cannot touch. It's allowing Him, it's allowing His voice to be clear in our minds and in our hearts. 
It's maintaining that relation with him, that intimacy with him. As a result of their devotion, we see a couple of things from the scripture. We see that the Bible says they were filled with awe and that the apostles worked many miraculous signs and wonders. There's a, there's a scripture that I was um, chatting to my, my parents last night and I was, we were just discussing and I said to them, there's a scripture that, ah, you know, makes, it, it unsettles me. And it's in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. It, and it says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. I, I asked you earlier to ask your neighbor if they've accepted the message. And hopefully you got a yes, either on the left or right, or both. They will cast out demons in my name. Yep, sign me up. They will speak in new languages. Sign me up. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. Travis, you can have that one. And they will drink anything poisonous without being hurt. Michael, that's yours. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Sign me up on that one as well. I'm, I'm, I'm general. I don't want all of them. My friends can have. But I look at that and, and I go, wow. Have I accepted the message? And I'm like, yeah. Have I believed the message? Am I a believer in the message of Jesus Christ? And I say, yeah. And I'm like, Spirit of the Most High, help me. The, these miraculous signs need to follow. Where, where, where we congregate, where we gather, where we meet, there needs to be an outpouring of these miraculous signs. As a result of their devotion, we see that the, they enjoy goodwill of all the people. Now, goodwill does not necessarily mean they were not opposed, but it means that the, the world around them, the community around them, Table View, Sanctuary City, Cape Town, will start to see something of a picture of Jesus. Compassion for the lost and broken. Looking out for the one. Generosity and selflessness. I mean, we read down just a couple of verses down in chapter 3, where uh, Peter and John go to the temple at the three, for the 3 o'clock prayer. And they see a lame man there, and they say, look at us, stand up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. There, 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 there was an awareness there. There was a goodwill that they started to enjoy with the community. And my last one is, as a result of their devotion, the Lord added to their fellowship. God, not their efforts, build his church. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus assures Peter that he... Jesus will build the church. It says, upon this rock, I will build my church. He's able to take what seems small, subtle, insignificant maybe, or inconsequential, and he adds onto it. You see, God's mission was never about keeping it small and, and making it small. We read throughout scripture that through one man, Abraham, many men came to salvation. Through one family, Jacob's sons, many families came through one nation, the nation of Israel. Many and, and the, the whole, every nation, different tongues and tribes. Through one son, Jesus Christ. 
many sons and daughters were called to glory. And it is going to be through one body, the church, that the entire universe, the whole of creation, gets to see the glory of God. As I invite you to stand, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, which again, it's a well-worn scripture which we will plow through during this entire series. Is that it is now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. If I have believed the message of Jesus Christ, the Bible, where we read, says those who accepted Peter's message. What was Peter's message? It was the message of the gospel. That Jesus, who was crucified, has been made, has been made both Lord and Messiah. If I have believed that message, I'm not called to be a free agent. I'm called to be saved, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to be in community. And we've touched on those practicals, I think last week, if not two weeks ago, to say it is regular attendance, regular gathering, regular communion with the community of believers, life groups, serving teams, marriage Mondays, men's camps, arise. Those are just some of the moments that we try to make practical. They're being plugged into community. We notice that the church in Acts 2, they did not isolate themselves. They continued to meet in the temple courts for the Jewish traditions and Jewish prayer. But they recognized they need to meet as the followers of the way, as they called it at that time. Followers of, of the message of Jesus. And it was in those meetings, I believe, that they recognized that, guys, we will be misunderstood we're going to be seen as the weirdos. But it is in those communities, it is in the fellowship, it is in the devotion of themselves to those points that the power of God began to be shown. And we've said that this is not a prescription of what the church should look like, but it's a picture of the power and potential of what can happen. Just one point, we see that, that they dismantled completely the classes system, which was rooted in religion and tradition to say, yeah, you'll have the poor and the rich. The poor, it's because there's a curse on them. You know, somebody has sinned and it's God's wrath on them. They could dismantle that. So this morning, Life Changes Church, 8.30. If I have accepted the message... I will devote myself. Those who accepted the message devoted themselves to. I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to invite you to look at yourself. Consider where you are. I'm preaching to you as I preach to my own heart. Am I devoting myself to the word, the apostles' teaching? Am I devoting myself to fellowship? Am I devoting myself to the Lord's Supper, to sharing meals with fellow believers? Am I devoting myself to prayer? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. It is alive, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to pierce, it is able to separate, it is able to clear up the, the, the muddled waters of life. It is able to bring clarity to any situation that might want to bring confusion. And this morning, God, we thank you that as your word is preached, that God, you are great. That your word is able to reach, to affect, to impact those that it needs to this morning. I pray, God, for my own heart as I pray for the hearts of your people here. That, God, you would make this word come alive. You give us the faith and the courage to respond and to obey. In Jesus' name, we trust you, God. 